All right, well, today we're beginning a, a new series for the month of November called The Reset. The Reset. And this series will focus on what it takes as God's chosen people to actively live lives of faithfulness in a culture of extreme compromise. So the question is how to live faithful. That's what this series is all about. Because that is really the only expectation God has for us as his people, that we would be faithful. Faithful. He doesn't expect us to be perfect or independently righteous. He doesn't expect us to be overtly pious to the world. No, he is coming at you. He's not coming at you with quotas or performance reviews or attendance charts. His only expectation is that you and that we, as his people, would be faithful. Faithful to him and faithful to who he saved us to be. I love how God kind of lays out this expectation for his people in Exodus chapter 20. It'll be on the screen. There's not a lot of room for nuance here, so I hope that you can process this with me. It says, uh, it says you must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself any idol of any kind or any image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Listen, God means business, y'all. He means business, and he expects fidelity to him. He expects that we would be faithful to him. But why? Why is faithfulness such a big deal? Check this out from Matthew chapter 6. It'll be on the screen. Jesus explains why faithfulness matters by saying, No one can serve two masters. You will, t you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You must not have any other God because no one can serve two masters. And this is kind of the, the big overarching picture that I want to hit over the next few weeks, is that God has called you, and God has saved you, and God has filled you with his spirit to set you apart. To set you apart as a people. Deuteronomy chapter 14 says, you have been set apart as holy to the Lord. You have been set apart as holy to the Lord your God. He has chosen you from all of the nations of the earth to be his own special treasure. Psalm 4 expands on this, saying, You can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. You have been set apart. You have been chosen. Here's one more from 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, it says, yeah, there are those with divided loyalties who reject God. Verse 9. But you are not like that. You are not like that. You, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. Referencing back to Deuteronomy chapter 14. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. You have received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Friends, big, big idea. God has set you apart. God has called you and saved you and chose you to be his own special treasure, a masterpiece of his mercy. And he did this, again, with just one expectation, and that is that you would choose to live faithful to him. And him alone. And not, and not just faithful for, for later. Does that make sense? Not just like, okay, I'm going to live faithful for, for eternity. No, he wants you to live faithful for today and every day from here to heaven. 
that you would that you'd place nothing in your life above him and that you wouldn't confuse anything else in your life to be him but rather you would live as psalm 24 says with clean hands and pure hearts clean hands pure hearts this is what god expects from his investment in us he expects faithfulness in a culture of compromise which if you think about it makes a lot of sense right it makes sense that god wants his special treasure that he sacrificed so much for god sacrificed so much for you it would make sense that 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 the ones he set apart to be like him it would make sense that he would want them to be faithful faithful to him of course it's a fair expectation still if you examine the whole of scripture we we often see a different story right we often see a different story. If we follow the scriptures all the way up to our own lives, it's not hard to see how easy and common it is to compromise. It's so easy for compromise to creep in to our lives, for all sorts of divided loyalties and secondary allegiances to find their way into our stories. And some of these add-ons, these extras that we bring in, that scripture also defines as, as idols or lesser gods, some of them might be accidental, some of them might be intentional, some might be really destructive in our lives, while some might just seem perfectly reasonable. Still, even with the best of our intentions and justifications over time, we all have stuff, whether we know it or not, that interrupts our faithfulness. We all have stuff that prevents us from being faithful to God and God alone. It's true. It's there. Now, all that said, it's also important for you to remember some good news, that, that even in our failure, God is still faithful. That this is the good news of the gospel. This is what we've been saved into, right? That even in our compromise, Scripture tells us we are still set apart, and our salvation remains intact. We are set apart people by God forever, because He said so. This is what He did, and that's not going to change. But sometimes, but sometimes, oftentimes, if we're honest, to live this life of faithfulness, to live saved and set apart, we could all really use a reset. A reset. A resetting apart. A resetting apart so we can more faithfully be who God made us to be. A reset to get things back to the way they were intended and designed to be with no add-ons, no extras, no compromise or concession or hidden compartments, just clean hands, pure hearts. We also often need a reset. Reminds me of this moment in my 20s. Yes, another story from my past that involves three things. An email, a crowned prince, and a whole lot of trouble. Let me explain. So for the sake of context, um, I, when I was growing up, I was actually born and raised in a pretty interesting time of transition. That's because as a kid, I grew up in a world that didn't have a lot of technology. We had one TV in the house, and that TV had four channels on it, okay? And depending on where you moved the rabbit ears, you got different things. You know what I'm saying? Anyone know what I'm saying? Of course you do. So in between watching The Goonies or The Princess Bride for fun, I would climb trees. I would play guns. Could anyone imagine going outside and playing guns today? Gosh. Did anyone play guns growing up? Come on, look at all those hands, all right? <laughs> I would play guns. I would ride my bike until the streetlights came on. Anybody else? This was my life, right? But then as middle school, like, blended and blurred into high school, technology started to break into our everyday lives, especially computers. 
And y'all, when this happened, I was hooked. I still kind of am. It's almost like I was brought from like the dark ages into this beautiful new world of information and opportunity. You know, I explored this life of technology from games to internet to, man, music. It was just the whole world opened up and I, and I felt like anything is possible. I could know anything, just a couple clicks of the mouse. Now listen, I tried to explain this transition, this shift to my kids, um, but they have like zero frame of reference for um, a life without technology. But for anyone born in the 80s and before, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Anyone remember America Online? Where you click and it goes, you've got mail. You know what I'm saying? Good times. Okay. Just dating myself. I love that. But listen, this shift in technology, it changed a lot. It changed a lot of things. And uh, all that said, move forward just a few years. Fast forward. I was in my 20s making my way through school when one day I was checking my email and I got this really surprising message. Apparently, guys, the crowned prince of Zimbabwe had messaged me. And... And he emailed me because he said he had a large sum of money he wanted to give me. And he wanted me to send this money. He, he wanted to send this money from his personal account in Africa. But he needed my financial information to be able to get it started. And y'all, as an early adopter, as an optimist, I, I was just thinking, wow, what, an, uh, what a generous man. What a gift it is that this man would want to send me this money. And, and, so, um, and so I clicked on this little link on the email so I could get the money, and, and of course this offer was real, right? Anyone have an idea what happened next? Well, as soon as I pressed the link on this email, my computer uh, started having these like pop-up things all over the screen, and, um, and it started to slow down, and the more I clicked them, the more they appeared, and nothing worked. Nothing worked. Everything started to slow to a halt as, as this virus from the crown prince of Zimbabwe began to compromise my system. And next thing I know, guys, my computer is just a brick sitting on the desk, right? So my first instinct was to reset, okay? Rem remember that word, reset. I walk over to the wall, I unplug it, and I press the reset, and I plug it back in, and I turn it back on, praying that would have fixed it, but what happened? Nothing. Nothing changed because it, because it had been compromised. This computer had been compromised, and now it was running slower and slower by the second. And that's when I knew that a reset, that a, re a restart wasn't enough. A restart wasn't enough. After my initial effort, I knew I needed to start fresh and do a full reset to clean everything up. Clean everything up. Because in that moment, there had been so many destructive things, distracting things brought in with a single click, with a single decision, things that have taken over my system, and now I had no power left. The computer didn't do what it was made to do because of all the garbage that was now piled on. I needed a reset. I needed to bring things back to the original state before any compromises were made. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor David, cool story. I feel bad for you. Glad I know that you grew up in the 80s, but what does this have to do with me and the church and being a Christian? Well, guys, I think in the same way as me clicking on that weird link to receive money, this seemingly simple decision that went on to cause all sorts of problems and complications in my life, in the same way I think these types of decisions, like it or not, know it or not, they happen all the time in our faith. All the time. Where we welcome all this extra stuff into our life that then runs tandem in, in submission to our relationship with God. Things that lead to compromise. Things that distract us and limit us and limit our power and slow us down and prevent us really from being who God made us to be. 
We invite all these things into our life that prevent us from being who did God designed us to be. And, and some of them, again, are really great, and some of them are really, are really rough. Everything from, from politics and sexuality to spiritualism here in L.A., consumerism, chasing the dream of success, self-medication, addiction, judgment, even preferences, you name it. There are all sorts of things in our world that bog us down and leave us in desperate need of a reset, a reset of our faith as they cause us to question what it means to be faithful. And it happens. I know, it happens to the very best of us with the very best of intentions, but friends, God is not having it. Not having it. Like we heard in Exodus 20, he did not save you to share your affections with others. He didn't. He set you apart so you would live totally devoted to him and his way. So how can we do it? How can we be what we were designed for? In a culture of such overwhelming options and, and compromises, the world around us keeps pushing agenda and assumptions. How can we be devoted to him? Well, that's what this series is all about. It's a reset, friends, that will bring us all back to faithfulness. And over the ne- course of the next couple weeks, we'll be uh, learning how to do just that. We'll be learning how to detox our spiritual life detox our spiritual life from all the extras that society is selling so we might live and build the kind of life God wants most for us. Starting first today, after a crazy long intro, um, I'd like to talk through our first reset, and that's a reset of our starting point. Our starting point as believers as we refocus on Jesus. Jesus. And so if you're taking notes today, I want to call the rest of this message a firm foundation. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on. And I want to talk about this reset, talking about Jesus Christ, because as Christians, guys, our confession is that Jesus is everything, okay? That Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is supreme, that Jesus is without equal, and his very position as the great I am, as the Christ has gone on to define not only our religion, which is called Christianity, but also our identity as Christians. Jesus defines who we are. Our opening scripture from Romans 12 says that Jesus is more than just a teacher to follow, and he's more than just a savior to trust for later. He's actually the foundation. He is the author and pioneer. He is the perfecter of our Faith. Jesus is the reason, friends, that we have faith in the first place. And, and it's the only way that we can actually live faithful. Everything starts with Jesus. And so, that, so that's the first reason I want to start with Jesus today as the foundation of our faith. But on the flip side of that reality, I want to park here today with, with a refocus because of how distorted he has become in our culture today. Both outside these walls and also within there are so many caricatures and assumptions and misconceptions made about Jesus That leave him as an almost comically incomplete character From being this like handsome ripped blonde Jesus on the cross To being like the aggressive mean Jesus on the white horse with the sword To being like the wimpy pushover Jesus Who's like better qualified to work at a nonprofit than be the savior of the world I'm sure you've seen all of them represented at times by people trying to to work Jesus into their own story and their own cultural framework. But friends, the reality is, 
even with all the wildly incomplete assumptions about Jesus the world might have, I need you to understand that Jesus is, in fact, not all that hard to know. He's not all that hard to know about. We make assumptions, but we've got a whole book that points to him. A whole book that helps us understand his heart and what it means to be faithful. And yeah, it can be a complicated story, no doubt. And yeah, there is plenty that can get lost in translation that we have to study to understand. But friends, I'm convinced if you want to know the real Jesus, you can. If you want to know the real Jesus, you can. And so as we begin this reset, the most important question I want to leave you with today, it isn't just who is the real Jesus, because we're going to get to that. But the most important question is, will you choose to acknowledge the real Jesus for who he really is? Will you choose to acknowledge the real Jesus for who he really is and build your life on that foundation? That's the question. Will you acknowledge the real Jesus for who he is and let everything else in your life reply, everything else in your life be built on that first step? Because this is the single most important question you'll ever have to answer this side of heaven. Because it is... It's one thing to theoretically understand and, and know and believe something, right? It's something else entirely uh, to acknowledge and respond. But this acknowledging and this response is, is in fact, what, what, what it means to be a Christian. Christianity isn't stuck in your head. Christianity is what, what makes its way from your head to your heart to your feet, which is exactly what we heard in our opening scripture, Colossians 2. It'll be on the screen. It says, and now just as you accepted Christ, accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to what? Follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. A firm foundation. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Guys, this right here, this is the foundation for all Christian faithfulness. It's right here. It's accepting Jesus for who he is then building your life on him as a starting point by following his way. Letting the roots of your life grow down deep into him. This is our beginning. This is our beginning because it's there in verse 6 that your faith will grow strong. It's only on him that your faith will grow strong. It's on Jesus as our foundation that we will be able to be faithful. Let me say it another way with a bit more intensity. Listen, you cannot be faithful to God. You cannot be faithful to your confession as a Christian, if Christ isn't the foundation for your life. For everything you do and believe and confess and accept and apply, Jesus must be the beginning. He must be the source. He is the reset. And he is the original starting point for all life and faith and obedience. Friends, everything must flow from and be built on him, on his words, on his truth, on his sacrifice, on his attitude, on his values, his actions, his mission, and his command. And friends, listen, if you don't want to be a Christian, then you can just take G parts of Jesus. Okay? I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying, but, but there are a lot of people who just want parts of Jesus. But that doesn't make them Christians. you got to take all of it, and you got to build your life on all of it. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's not picking and choosing. It's not competing allegiance. It's a sole focus of Jesus and moving from there. Jesus is the only firm foundation that you can trust to be strong enough to carry the weight of your future faith. It's always only Jesus. 
Why? How can we know? Pastor, good word, but what does that mean? How can I know? Well, let, me get, let me get into Jesus for a second and what he's really like. From Colossians chapter 2, we confess this together during communion today. From Colossians chapter 2, back into Colossians chapter 1, it says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. In Jesus lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God. I love how Paul expands on this earlier in chapter 1, describing who Jesus really is, starting in verse 15. It's on the screen. It says this, that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Verse 17, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. And this is the end. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Friends, this is who Jesus really is, okay? He's God. He's not handsome, ripped Jesus on the cross. He's not angry Jesus on the horse or interesting social justice Jesus working at a nonprofit, okay? He is God of the universe. God of the universe. There is nothing that God is that Jesus is not. He is eternal. He existed before anything was created. He is supreme over all things because he created all things. This is the Christian confession over the past 2,000 years. If you're just joining us for the first time, it's your first time at church, this is what Christians have believed for 2,000 years. That Jesus reigns over the unseen and the seen worlds, over the living and the dead, and he holds all creation together. This is Jesus. And I, and I understand how, how post-enlightened and 21st century Americans, this might be a little challenging to fully comprehend the magnitude of this God in a human being. Especially when we stop to consider the intricacies that exist under his authority, like Think about this. The laws of physics exist because of Jesus. The periodic table, chemistry, photosynthesis, biology, reproduction, astronomy, and all the systems that keep everything alive, that's on him. It's all on him. That's the scale of his power. That's the scale of his power. It's beyond our ability to fathom. And yet, it's certainly appropriate. It's certainly appropriate for one worthy of our affection our loyalty, and our faithfulness. He is the reason anything exists. Everything exists. And that alone demands our attention. That alone demands our attention. Not to mention the small fact that this God who holds all things together, he actually loves the world he made. It's not just his power. It's not just the, the scope of his authority. It's that with his power and authority, he still chooses to love his creation. A world in chaos, turn on the news. A world that has been collapsing under the weight of sin and compromise for the entirety of human history. But it's still a world that he's not willing to give up on. And so this God, who has all authority, all power, 
He came to earth as Jesus and died for the compromise. He died for the sin and all the failure and flaws. He came and died to reset creation, friends. The ultimate reset. And he gave us a fresh start for all who believe. To make peace with everything in heaven and on earth. How? By providing a firm foundation for you. A firm foundation for you and me to build our lives on in his name so we might be faithful. A firm foundation with no need for add-ons. A firm foundation with no need for extras to fill or satisfy or stabilize or achieve. Because Jesus is already enough. He's sufficient. He is everything. Colossians 2 says, In him you are complete. In him you lack nothing. Because he is supreme over every ruler and authority and yet still calls you friend. This is Jesus and who Jesus really is, why he must be the first step and the only reset for our faith. We've got to get back to Jesus with everything. Got to get back to Jesus because he's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end, the author and perfecter, and our only firm foundation. Is this making sense? Yes, Pastor David, yes. I know that for some of you, you're like, yeah, but David, I've been at this church for 60 years. I know this stuff, okay? Some of you are like, man, I, I came here today broken and a mess in my life, and this is the first time I've heard anything like this. And so from, from end to end of the spiritual spectrum today, I just wonder if anyone here needs to reset some previous assumptions or expectations about Jesus. I know I do. I need, to, I need to reset my expectations and assumptions every day. Every day. But it's not because of some, like, epic compromise that has, like, penetrated my life or some crazy sin that's taken over my vision and shut down my system. For me, it's—I it's, I need to reset because amidst of this constant barrage of society and the world, the sheer quantity of messaging that I receive in my life, what's real and true and good— the reality of who Jesus is that I just presented here, sometimes it, it starts to get kind of normal. It just kind of like becomes a little too regular, if that makes sense. It's not that it becomes less real, eh, but rather it just becomes more eh, like every day. Like I kind of lose sight of the absolute majesty of Jesus. I lose sight of his glory. I lose sight of his goodness, his power and authority. I lose sight of the, 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 how many quintillion stars in the universe. I lose sight of, of humanity that he loves so much. I lose sight of his heart. And, and, and deep down I know and I believe it, but often I fail to acknowledge and build on it. Does that make sense? So that's for me. That's for me. The reset is getting back to the reality of Colossians 1 and 2. Daily, so I might live faithful to my confession. But, but what about you? What are some of the things that have crept in over time that distort your vision of Jesus? I know for a lot of people, Jesus become, has become a bit of an insurance policy. An insurance policy where you, you know you're going to heaven later, so it doesn't really matter how you live today. And so maybe for you today, if that's you, maybe for you, you just need to surrender your lifestyle to Jesus. Maybe a reset for you is surrendering your lifestyle to Jesus and actually following his, his way of life. Maybe for you, I also know, especially this coming up on this next season here 
in America, I know for a, a number of people, Jesus be has become a pawn for like a political agenda. Where you know you, where you now you need to actually begin to see Jesus not as a justification for politics, but rather as the inspiration for what you should be standing for. I, I don't know. I, I just know what it is for me, and I know that there's a lot of things that creep in and distort our vision of who Jesus really is. So many different things. And I know that we all have them, and we need to address them if we're to live faithful. Friends, Jesus is everything. I can't say it enough. And I just say, Holy Spirit, open our ears to hear this reality today. Jesus is everything. He is the foundation for all faithfulness. And friends, he is inviting you and me, but he's also expecting you and me to build our lives on him. The invitation is there to follow, but the expectation is there to build. Everything forward is built on him. And what a gift. Honestly, what a gift, right? That we have the ability to build our lives on the one who determines what's real. What a gift that we don't have to guess on how to live the greatest life this side of heaven. Amen? But hear me when I say this. I'm just going to say it once. For as good as God is, he loves us too much to plant roots for us. What I'm trying to say is he's not going to force you to be faithful. He's done everything necessary for you and for me to live a life of loyalty, but now it's up to us. It's up to us to do a hard reset, clear out the extras, so we might be who we were saved to be. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be building on this firm foundation by talking about the truth of God. That as we build on Jesus, we must build on his truth, on his mission, and on his vision. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing some, some kind of heavy detox, poking the bear a little bit of things that we hold dear. But as those things become obvious to us and they, and they start to strip off of us, here's what I can promise you. We will all leave November more faithfully following Jesus. We will all leave November with a greater understanding of what it means to be faithful. So that's where we're going over the course of November. But for today as we go, I just want to give us all an opportunity in prayer to refocus our eyes on Jesus. To take a deep breath, to close our eyes, and to just identify some of those distortions that we have brought into our life that have determined what's real about Jesus as our foundation. As our foundation. So we can strip back the other stuff impeding for our attention and see him clearly. And so if you would bow, bow with me, I'm going to pray for you. And as we pray, I, again, I just want to ask that, you, that we would all just approach this moment with open hands, clean hands, pure hearts, that we begin even now to say, Jesus, you are enough, and I'm going to build my life on you. So let's pray now. Jesus, thank you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we honor you. We lift you up. We acknowledge you for who you are. Jesus, in this moment, I ask that you would open our eyes to anything, any of the distortions that we have about you, anything that we've brought in from, from any, any background or, or source or any input, God, we ask that you would just open our eyes to who you really are. God, that we would remember your power, that we would remember your authority. 
but that we'd also remember that you spoke and you called us and set us apart and that you've told us what it takes to live faithful. So God, help us keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us turn our eyes upon Jesus today. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace, Jesus. And so we just honor you and we ask that you would open our eyes to, to anything that might be blinding us from your goodness. God, help us reset our, our focus on you. Help us reset our lives on you today. That we might be the only thing that you're asking us to be, and that's faithful to you. And so, God, we love you, and we know that this next month, the next couple weeks are going to be, they might be a little uh, jarring, they might be a little painful for us, God, but we trust that you will lead us through it as you call us to greater faith and obedience in your name. Because, God, that's, in the end, that's, that's all we're asking for today, is that we just want to be faithful. Everyone in this room is here on purpose, and we want to be faithful, so open our eyes to what it means for us today to follow you. Jesus, we honor you, and it's in your name that we pray, and we all said, amen, amen. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. It's great to see you. Go grab lunch with someone. If you have any questions or you need some prayer, come on down. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you next week.